Good day and many blessings, everyone. This is your host, John Hoppy. You're listening to the Wrestling Fans Insight Podcast, and this week I am introducing my brand new co-host. I've known him for nearly 40 years. Seems to be a great fisherman here in the state of Utah. And without further ado, my kid brother, William Hoppy. How you doing, William? I'm good. How's everybody else doing? So, it looks like you had some really great fishing going on this week, weather being decent for a change. Went pretty good. Overall, it was a pretty good success. Both the places that I've gone to took a lot of travel. Definitely a lot of heat and weather changes. Yeah, here in Utah, we probably like some other areas in this world. We go through a lot of extreme temperatures. For example, last week we were dealing with snow and ice-packed roads, snowstorms. This week we experienced much different. We ended up going from 50s to mid-70s, low 80s. <laughs> Fun times as Utah does its little transitional of seasons. We don't ever really get a authentic spring like most other areas do. We mainly just go right from winter straight to summer. What do you do? Mother Nature does what she does, and we just try to cope with it. With that being said, we're going to get right to the card. We're going to change the format of the show a little bit, just test the waters. This week, we're going to go over the programming of March 21st throughout the entire week of WWE and AEW. And we're also going to give our WrestleMania 38 card predictions. So please bear with us. We're making lots of new changes. And we hope we keep entertaining you, and we appreciate you all listening and tuning in. All right, let's start with Monday Night Raw. We're just going to go over the card results real quick. We had the Mysterios going over the Dirty Dogs. Omos going over the team of Apollo Crews, Commander Aziz, which was his biggest, probably longest match ever. Then we saw Natalia and Shayna Baszler defeat the team of Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley. Move on to Austin Theory falling short to Finn Balor. Thank you, Pat McAfee. RK Bros get the victory over Alpha Academy. Reggie and Dana Brooke getting the win over Akira Tozawa and Tamina. And in the main event, we saw AJ Styles get a DQ finish win against Seth Rollins. Uh, let's start off with the highlights of Raw. First with the Kevin Owens segment. A pretty good one. We had Kevin Owens come out to the Stone Cold Steve Austin and wearing like a fake bald top on top of his head. Much similar to like when Miz was mocking The Rock a few years ago when he was going into WrestleMania against John Cena. And uh, there were some definitely funny moments. I thought it was not just funny. I thought the way that they put it together and actually pushed the issue is bringing a lot more attention to it, a lot more reaction out of the crowd. And I think that made it all the more amusing. Oh, without a doubt. And with Kevin Owens still just pounding down on the state of Texas, obviously WrestleMania going to be in Dallas this year, he's definitely knowing how to draw the heat. Almost typical Kevin Steen style like in Ring of Honor. He's definitely keeping up with exactly what he's supposed to be doing as a heel. Yes, I mean, Kevin Owens is just one of those guys that can transition both sides of the fence with his character. He knows how to work the crowd, and I tell you, this guy definitely deserves another future top run in the title. 
we then go on to see Seth Rollins in the backstage area getting in an interview and being asked about what his WrestleMania plans are since he doesn't have any more opportunities. All we see him do is stare, laugh, and then basically just see the gerbil spinning the wheels in his head as if he's got a new vision. Steals the interviewer's microphone and takes off. And if, if that wasn't enough, we see Seth Rollins come out in during the Ray Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio tag match with the Dirty Dogs, making trying to make an announcement how he's going to get into WrestleMania, but they keep cutting his microphone off. <laughs> oh, funny segment is Seth Rollins starts throwing a fit and goes backstage. But then uh, we had a little bit of a moment with The Miz during the match, didn't we? Definitely had a moment, and it's perfect timing. We've got WrestleMania just right around the corner, and then what you've got is The Miz getting involved and causing issues for Ray with the classic disrespect of taking away the luchador mask. It's definitely going to elevate the match. And what about that heat that Logan Paul already has with the fans? I mean, even his hometown of Cleveland when they were there a couple weeks back, Holy Moses, they did not like that guy, did they? No, they didn't. And I don't think Logan Paul is really that well-liked anywhere he goes. He's he's just one of those characters that always is able to cause a lot of conflict. And do you think that's just because people hate him for how successful he is, mainly on YouTube? Or I think it's that mixed with a little bit of rambunctiousness with overrunning the mouth. Well... Yeah, I can understand that, too. I've known a few people like that myself. After that tag match, we see a segment where Seth Rollins is backstage with Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville, really pissed off about how terrible of a job they're doing and everything, and all Pearce and Deville could do is just try to reason with Seth and calm him down. And toward the end of the segment, we see Adam Pearce tell Seth Rollins, maybe there's something we can think of, just give him a little bit of time to come up with the thoughts and then Seth Rollins takes off and a little bit of disgust saying yeah right heard that before. Omos definitely looked really good in his match with Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz showing that he's able to take on two great talents especially one being the former Intercontinental and United States Champion and Commander Aziz as everybody knew him before when they had the Raw Underground as Davakato. Basically, Davakato, Commander Z's, whatever you want to know him by, feel they just made him look a little too weak with Omos, where feel we should be watching him be almost kind of like a slobber knocker, as JR would say. There's no reason to be having this guy lose in a squash match. Even though Omos is slightly bigger in size, I still think they could have booked Commander Z's to be a little more contender-ish, if that makes sense. We have AJ Styles in the ring doing an interview, calling out Edge to bring his ass out to the ring. Of course, Edge being the chicken shit heel doesn't show up, but we get an interruption from Seth Rollins, pretty much hinting to AJ that, hey, maybe you should go home and come back after WrestleMania just so Seth Rollins could get that WrestleMania opportunity. AJ Styles saw what his plan was, and Seth Rollins proposes a match with AJ where whoever wins gets Edge at WrestleMania. AJ Styles, of course, declines, says, no, 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 no. I have business with Edge, and I'm going to go to WrestleMania. 
Unfortunately, we see Adam Pierce, Sonya Deville come out, and grant Seth Rollins one last chance for his WrestleMania moment. If he does defeat AJ Styles in the main event for tonight, he will move on and replace AJ in the WrestleMania card with Edge, which we then see AJ later in the program go in and tell Sonya Deville and Adam Pierce what a terrible job they've done. Geez, that seems to be a consistent thing with all the talent lately. However, AJ walks off in disgust and gives them their two cents. In what was a comical moment between Queen Zelina and Carmella, both having a little bit of argument backstage, Queen Zelina trying to get Carmella's attention to say, hey, we need to be a team. And Carmella throwing back, saying, you know, you've been a little hobbit being disrespectful to my new talk, to my new reality show and my marriage to Corey Graves. Fun little moment there where we had Carmella basically called Queen Zelina a little hobbit. And then we start the little cat fight going on, making everyone think they're not going to get along, of course, you know, with their women's tag team championship defense coming up at WrestleMania. After they had us fans all fooled thinking they were going to not really get along, we see the finish with Natalia and Shayna Baszler pay a little homage to the old Heart Foundation performing the heart attack finish on Liv Morgan and getting the 1-2-3. Shortly after, we see Carmella come down to the ring mid-match and sitting there venting her little frustrations at Corey. With that little distraction coming in mind, we see Queen Zelina come sneak attack and nail Rhea Ripley right in the back with her scepter. And with the distraction of Natalia and Shayna focusing on that, Carmella attacks them from behind. Both of them destroy both teams and in the ring look at each other like they're going to go at it again. But indeed fooled us by hugging each other, laughing, raising their belts. Carrying a little bit of momentum going into the WrestleMania card. Becky Lynch comes down to the ring with the chair, cutting a promo on her match with Bianca Belair for WrestleMania 38, assuming Bianca can make it. It was announced that Bianca suffered pretty much severe throat trauma after the little attack Becky performed on Belair last week's Raw. However, you know, this is going to just be pretty much the dramatic part of the storyline eventually we will see bianca make the comeback and get to the wrestlemania to challenge for the raw women's championship against becky lynch austin theory cuts a little promo about how he tricked pat mcafee into the wrestlemania match it was a plan all along just so he can punk out mcafee and then we go into austin theory's match against united states champion finn balor And the fun part to notice before the match even started, it was announced there was a special guest commentator for the match, and it was Pat McAfee. And not really a big surprise there. I think we all kind of expected that. They've continued and continued to push this story. We love it. Uh, Pat McAfee, definitely not one of my favorite people. But I have to admit, the moment where Theory decides to aggravate and agitate McAfee we see that Pat McAfee decides to kind of give the whole suck it motion. Suck it! And it wasn't just funny, because we've seen plenty of DX moments 
But this came with an actual divisive lefty to righty, lefty to righty, lefty to righty. What do you, what, what do you think, John? Uh, I tell you, I know you don't like Pat McAfee, but he, I've always been a fan of his just because he was a great kicker in the NFL. But the guy is very animated. If you ever listen to him outside his podcast, he's been on the Bob and Tom show many a times as a kind of like the sports, kind of like the guest sports guy in a way. I I just love his character. He's very animated. He has tons of fun. It's not like that fake look fun you see from some of the commentating team at times. But McAfee, you can tell, is just genuinely a wrestling fan and I enjoy watching him every week out there with Michael Cole or whoever he's commentating with. With the tag match being next between the RK Bros, Alpha Academy, it was a good match overall. I mean, Chad Gable, Otis, really great mat technicians being former amateur wrestlers. RK Bro, just two different characters between the legend, uh, easy for me to say, the legend killer Randy Orton and Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, it took me a little bit to grow on just because, you know, kind of weird for me to really look at the high type of people, if you kind of see where I did there. But right at the end, we see Riddle give Gable the knee and then the bro Derek pinfall victory. Of course, you know, typical heel right after post-match, you know, we got Otis attacking both Randy and Riddle. Alpha Academy's just taking it to RK-Bro until all the Street Profits come out and what we thought was going to make the save and to help RK-Bro, but after they chased off Alpha Academy, we see Street Profits take it to RK-Bro, now getting a little bit of their momentum in, going for the triple threat tag team, Raw Tag Team Championship match for WrestleMania 38. The only dud moment I think of the night was watching the mixed tag team match of Reggie and Dana Brooke getting the win over Akira Tozawa and Tamina. Obviously, Tamina's still trying to chase Dana Brooke to get that 24-7 title off of her. But I felt that this segment's just run its course. The fan reaction was just so dead. I don't know if it's because they were burned out or... I think they see it as... Basically, this is a waste of a lot of talent. I don't know if it's that or, like I said, I think it may have just run its course with the whole love angle going on between Akira, Tozawa, and Tamina. And, you know, obviously, Reggie getting out of the friend zone from Dana Brooke. It's, I mean, eventually we we didn't expect to see that to continue on, but it was almost like a last-minute change from creative. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the segment. It just, it bored me and I really wasn't interested in it. And hopefully maybe this will be that one thing where, like they say on Conrad's podcast, hopefully maybe they turn this chicken shit to chicken salad. But (laughs) it's definitely time to start taking this to a different twist and make it a little more entertaining. In which now we're going on to the main event with AJ Styles getting the victory over Seth Rollins. And the stipulation was... Seth Rollins managed to get the win on this. He would go on to WrestleMania, replace AJ Styles in his match with Edge. And we just saw that little nice twist at the end, didn't we? Right, we did. And anytime, let's face it, we see these two in action, they're on point. It's always entertaining. 
but the end of it where Edge comes out, bashes AJ with the chair to save his own moment. That was golden to me because you really don't get a whole lot of the edge in the conversation throughout this entire program up until the very end. And then Edge saves AJ by, you know, giving him a good old-fashioned chair goose. Well, you know, as Edge says, he's the ultimate opportunist, and we saw it. But just the look and the reactions from Seth Rollins after he realizes Edge costed him his WrestleMania moment... We see Rollins do the old Bret Hart from, uh, I want to say it was either 95 or 96, somewhere in that range with Raw after he lost to Sid in a rematch for the WWF Heavyweight Championship. And I believe Austin was actually trying to help Bret win, but Undertaker got involved and made sure Bret didn't win. And after Bret lost to Sid, Bret lost his shit went off on Vince McMahon and pushed him down. I think that was the first time we actually heard a curse word on cable programming that's supposed to be a family-oriented show. And anybody who says, you know, DX or NWO is the one that kind of broke that mold, well, no, Bret Hart actually started it by dropping the bullshit line right onto Vince McMahon. Overall, thought it was a great show. It was not a disappointing one at all. Raw, the last few weeks, I have to give it to Raw. They've started turning things around. For a while, I was a little disappointed with their shows, but with the WrestleMania coming up, you know, you, you can only hope it was going to get better, and I think they're starting to deliver a little more. What do you think? I think they're definitely starting to ramp it up quite a bit. Like you, I was starting to kind of just shy away from even wanting to watch the show. Because it was just, like we've discussed before, regurgitated storyline, mundane, 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 and then the same results. Well, all they got to do is just continue to mix it up, keep on ramping it up, and it's going to continue to grow. Yeah, and I think with a lot of changes in the WWE as far as talent, creative... Overall employment, I think things have gotten shooken up enough. Maybe the message got across, I don't know. But we're starting to see a little bit better product out of WWE, and that's what we need right now. I mean, like like I've said in the last few weeks, this is the right time to be a wrestling fan with all the programming going on. Not saying AEW's major competition to them. Maybe at some point they will be. But right now, it's just time to enjoy the programming, folks. Let it be what it is. NXT 2.0, pretty solid show overall, I thought. Uh, We'll go over the card real quick. The first match we had for qualifying spot for the North American Championship ladder match at Stand and Deliver. We had Sola Sokoa getting the win over Roderick Strong. We had uh, Tony D'Angelo get a victory over Dexter Loomis. Electra Lopez in what the announcers claimed as a upset win over Fallon Henley. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. We had Braun Breaker getting the win over Robert Roode. 
We had another qualifying match for the North American Championship ladder match for NXT 2.0 Stand and Deliver with Grayson Waller getting the victory over A-Kid. We had the Creed Brothers getting the victory over the Grizzled Young Veterans. Gunther gets the win over Duke Hudson. And in the main event, the women, the easy for me to say, the Women's Dusty Tag Classic Finals, we had Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai getting the win over Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai. Just going over the highlights, the first match with the qualifier for the North American Championship ladder match at Stand and Deliver. Pretty much not much to say. It was a smooth match between Sola Sokoa over Roderick Strong. The only thing that I really wasn't getting was the Santos Escobar distraction during the match to Roderick Strong, but maybe there's some new creative there I just haven't been paying attention to. Maybe there was something I should have... Maybe I should be watching NXT level up. I don't know. Nonetheless, it was a pretty smooth match. Solis is still looking pretty strong. You know, the only loss he has is to Gunther. And as I mentioned in previous episode, that match doesn't hurt him. He just looks a little stronger being going toe-to-toe with Gunther. Next, we had Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada's segment in the back talking up how their men is the better one, how Indy got the better of Persia being the better female wrestler. Not really a whole lot to this other than, you know, it's the typical who's better than who conversation. We go on to in-ring action with Tony D'Angelo getting the victory over Dexter Loomis. Basically, the only highlight I can really say is with Tony D'Angelo getting the win, it was mainly because of all the distractions going around with Duke Hudson trying to grab the referee's attention. I think it was. I can't remember. Long story short, we saw Persia Parada, Indy Hartwell pretty much fighting over the crowbar. And eventually what happened was was Tony D'Angelo got his hands on the crowbar trying to hang play tug of war with it with Persia Parada. Unfortunately, Persia Parada grip was lost on that whole deal. And Tony D'Angelo was able to strike Dexter Loomis, but the referee had to duck out of the way and didn't see Tony D'Angelo hit Loomis. Knocks out Loomis, lights out cold, gets the pinfall victory. Then we see Tony D'Angelo cut a promo in the ring, running his mouth against Tommaso Ciampa. Right, and with that, there hasn't been too much put into it, so I found it really interesting. I mean, what do you think? Which way are they going to go with it? Are they building to a rivalry? Uh, I don't know. It it almost seemed like it was one of those, like Tommaso Ciampa last week was pretty much giving the fans his gratitude, whether they booed him or cheered him, hated him, loved him, that typical style, like as if he's getting ready to retire in-ring competition. However, you know... Tom, Tommaso Ciampa comes, sneaks, attacks him right behind and says, hey, you know, this I'm the one who writes my final chapter, not you. Yeah, and, and with those kinds of matches, like when they're coming to the end of any kind of chapter, even if it's the whole career, you got to make it serious. You got to make it something worth watching. So that's why I ask, you think maybe they're just, they're really building that up for a farewell? Yeah, it could be. It could be. Or, you know, it's one of those revivals like Tommaso feels like he's got nothing left. But there's always that new talent that wants to say, hey, you're not done. We we still want to continue doing this with you. Maybe that's the feel. I don't know. All right. Well, we'll see where it goes. But, you know, Tony D'Angelo playing the 
hey, I'm going to finish him off. We'll see. We'll see. I think Tommaso's still got a few more years in him, but who knows? He He's definitely a guy that can pull it off. He still looks in great physical condition, just like other athletes. You know, the more you take care of yourself, the longer you can go. And Tommaso is just one of those talents. We have a backstage segment with the Dirty Dogs being interviewed with Robert Roode's upcoming match with Braun Breaker. Nothing real special about it other than just your typical veteran-style wrestler trying to make the intimidation to the up-and-new rising star. Match number three of the evening, Electra Lopez getting the win over Fallon Henley. And a little, like I said earlier, I'm a little weirded by the broadcast team saying that was an upset victory, if I heard that right. But I don't think that was an upset victory. Electra Lopez is a good in-ring competitor. I think she could definitely push the envelope a little harder. Fallon Henry definitely gave it her all, and she really made Electra look good in this match. Eventually, at some point in the match, we saw... Briggs and Jensen and Legado del Fantasma brawl with each other going outside the ring. Well, not outside the ring, but going through the fans out of the arena. But it was just not enough for Fallon Henley to mount enough momentum against Electra Lopez. Electra Lopez gets the win. After the match, we just see a short segment with Draco Anthony still continuing to be bugged by Joe Gacy. Obviously, Joe Gacy trying to corrupt Draco to join him and Harland in a a faction who knows we may eventually see it i think it would be a much different turn for draco anthony's character we'll just see how it plays out braun breaker gets the win over robert rude where dolph ziggler eventually gets ejected for getting involved in the match we see braun breaker catch robert rude off the top rope turn it right into a power slam for the win and as braun breaker goes toward the back ziggler gives him the nice little heel super kick finish to end the segment Nothing more than just getting a little more heat to build up for their championship rematch at Stand and Deliver. Then there was a second backstage segment with Indy Hartwell, Dexter Loomis, Duke Hudson, Persia Parada. Indy a little upset with Persia, feeling she purposely let go of the crowbar to allow D'Angelo to clock Dexter Loomis in their match and Dexter losing to D'Angelo and it basically built up to another who's better than who segment. Persia building up Duke Hudson saying Duke doesn't need any help to get the win over Gunther. And you see Dexter pretty much do a really quick drawing in his support for Gunther. We have another qualifying match for the North American Championship ladder match at Stand and Deliver. Grayson Waller advances to that match after defeating the A-Kid in a Pretty much a clean match, no interference whatsoever. Right, and these two are absolutely amazing athletes. Uh, A-Kid being relatively new to the scene, uh, both of them are extremely quick athletic. They're able to pretty much counter each other all the time. But what I found absolutely interesting was the uh, counter on Waller's finisher. And it wasn't just a counter on that. It was followed up by multiple submissions without releasing the hold. Right, and... Watching A-Kid last week, I didn't know he was actually an NXT UK talent until the commentators brought it up. I haven't watched much of NXT UK, and that's shame on me. That's something I need to fit in my schedule at some point. However, yeah, A-Kid, definitely very impressive talent. I think he's going to go places. He may even have a spot on the main roster if he keeps continuing looking this good. Absolutely. He could be the uh, next Ricochet, really. I felt the great thing after that match, though, was Carmelo Hayes 
coming up after seeing the A-Kid have a tough loss to Grayson Waller. He announces that, hey, we still got one more spot to fill. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the three gentlemen that lost in the three qualifying matches, put them in a triple threat match for next week's NXT 2.0, and the winner of that match will get the final spot. And to top it off, he tells A-Kid, you might be the A-Kid, but you will never be the A-Champ which triggers A-Kid enough to throw a cheap shot at Trick Williams and escapes the ring before Carmelo Hayes can do something about him. Match six of the night, we saw the tag team met between Creed Brothers and Grizzled Young Veterans with the Creed Brothers getting the victory. Very solid match overall, nothing but really... Pure athleticism. Well, nothing but Mac technician skills. You know, you didn't see a whole lot of high-flying risk-taking moves which sometimes that's what i like in one of the in professional wrestling absolutely old school is always going to be a fan favorite for us yeah and you know i mean i know some of the newer generation fans don't understand that but back then you know it used to be watching pretty much equal size opponents take each other and that's what this was was equal sized opponents going as j jim ross would say it's going to be a slobber knocker of a match, and that's what this was. Creed Brothers earned their victory against the Grizzled Young Veterans, uh, but nice little twist toward the end. We saw the video right after the match where the attackers of the Creed Brothers from two weeks ago go to the Creed Brothers training area and vandalize the crap out of it. Message being that, hey, since you can't find us, we'll come find you. So it'll be interesting to see who's actually behind that attack from two weeks ago and then we get to the next really good classic match gunther getting the victory over duke hudson and wow yeah definitely wow for many many reasons uh the first reason being that up until now i really haven't had much of a following of duke hudson i really didn't think too highly of him but he actually put in quite a very technical and sound match and the big wow of this was obviously this, the body chops coming from Gunther. They were tremendous. I swear to God, you can hear this coming from the next state over. Well, yeah, the echoes of those chops. Holy <laughs> shit. Not even Ric Flair no. chopped guys that hard. I, I haven't heard a chop like that, not even out of the giant. Well, and did you see the redness on Duke Hudson's chest after Gunther hit him? And- Definitely. I was waiting for every bit of blood to come spilling out of those and good god getting the fan reaction saying one more time one more time we're like oh my god these people are gonna kill hudson if if they keep encouraging gunther i'd be gritting my teeth to the other guy just saying no 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 i'm like oh my god they want to kill me they want to kill me but man i'll tell you it was it was a great match between the two and there was no interference or real distractions. I mean, Gunther just pretty much dominated Duke like nothing. Gunther hits a power bomb for the win, and that was it. And sends Duke Hudson, Persia Parada, Dexter, and Indy back to the back. And then shortly after that victory, we had Gunther calling out L.A. Knight, you know, because of the way L.A. Knight jumped the gun and, well jumped in line to get a shot at the NXT Championship last week against Dolph Ziggler. And basically, you see L.A. Knight getting interrupted by Gunther when L.A. Knight was trying to talk to him, but 
L.A. Knight jumps all over Walter and gives him a nice little reminder not to ever interrupt him. Fortunately, the number games were there, but we're going to see a match between L.A. Knight and Gunther at NXT 2.0 Stand and Deliver, and I think that's going to be a great match. With L.A. Knight having such the charisma, the looks, the in-ring skill, Gunther basically the biggest brute you can ever see in professional wrestling. I think we're going to have a great, solid, sturdy match too. Yeah, just remember to bring the body padding. Yes, yes. <laughs> get some get some padding, gear. Protect them chest, L.A. Knight. You're going to need it. And in the main event for the night, we had the finals of the Women's Dusty Tag Classic, where we saw the team of Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai defeat the team of Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai. Very good match overall. All four women performed really great. And I know I've said my beef many times. I have a hard time with the whole Wendy Chu being in pajamas. I'm not a fan of the sleepy character, but it, again, as I said in the past, if the fans are behind it, don't change it. There's no sense to it. Keep going with what's working. You may not like it, but others will. And just like I said, if it works, don't try to fix it. After the match was over, we had Toxic Attraction approach the ring with Mandy flapping her gums toward Kaylee Ray and Io, saying, hey, congratulations, but I don't think you're going to have what it takes to beat Gigi Dolan and JC Jane for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship. Kaylee Ray then rebuttals Mandy, saying, it's nice and all that if we were to take the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship, but we're going to cash this in. In exchange, we're going to make the NXT Women's Championship a stand and deliver a fatal four-way, which pretty much flabbergasted Mandy, caught her off guard, and next thing you know, we start seeing a brawl between Toxic Traction, Io Shirai, Kaylee Ray, then Cora Jade comes out and evens the odds. Yeah. I almost thought for a minute there we were going to see Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray take out Cora Jade, but that proved me wrong. Yeah, I have to agree with you on this. This was a really good match. I like you, I'm not really heavy into the whole Wendy Chu wearing pajamas. She's definitely talented. You got Dakota Kai throwing out the crazy act, but she's doing it. She's picking the right moments. Not the expected moments, but the right moments. The other two performed admirably. Uh, at the end of it, like you said, Kaylee Ray came out and she fired the shot going for the women's title. I, I'm not sure we've ever seen that kind of a switch up as to what the result of a match was supposed to lead to. No, you know, it was almost kind of like when TNA started the whole angle with the X Division Championship, if you had it at a certain time. You know, I think it was Austin Aries they did it with first to make option C and trade in the title for a shot at the world championship. And that's basically what we're seeing here, only it's with the women's tag team championship, which isn't a bad idea. I, I think going Fatal 4-Way is a good thing to put the more odds against Mandy Rose to try to retain her championship. However, I think this is one time where maybe it won't really so much be the odds overtake her because she's been such a great heel since she's been moved to NXT 2.0. I, I was stunned at first when they had her win the championship. However, she's done a fantastic job with it. Yeah. What I'm excited to see about this match, this Fatal 4-Way, it, it's going to be the clash of four completely different styles. Right, and who knows? You, get, you got your chicken shit heel, you got your psycho, you got your young buck skater type character, and your classic veteran in Io Shirai. 
four different styles, but I know they can mesh well, make a great match for Stand and Deliver. Overall, very solid show for NXT. I Just like Raw, I've been enjoying it the last few weeks. When uh, NXT 2.0 first aired, the first showing was awesome, and then... You know, the next few really weren't so great. It was kind of back and forth between being really good to going like two steps back, going really good, two steps back. But these, like I said, these last few weeks, they, they're starting to kind of gel and moving along better, getting the entertainment aspect going. Right, and that's that's really what we're all looking for, is not for them to have a phenomenal performance every single time. That's just not realistic. However, for them to be able to recognize that they need to do better or to increase, that that's what really matters. And they're making the attempt. It, it's showing. It is. And like I said, I've, I've got faith with Bruce Pritchard being in creative. He's taking it to a different direction. Of course, he's going to try some different things at first, which he did. And as we all saw, it didn't work out so well. However, the pieces are now coming together and... The puzzle's looking much better without all the little fractions coming, throwing the view off. It's definitely getting back to being entertaining. I feel lately that actually NXT has been starting to be the superior brand again between the three. And with NXT 2.0 Stand and Deliver coming up this Saturday, I think we're going to have a pretty good card coming up. Yeah, I'm expecting extremely good results. So part of the change I was talking about earlier in the program, I've decided we're going to go forward getting all the WWE programming done first, and then we'll move into AEW. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and move into the Friday Night Smackdown, another great show by WWE this week. As I said earlier, all wrestling shows had pretty good showing. Uh, Smackdown, we're going to run down the results of the card first. We had Shinsuke Nakamura getting the victory over Jimmy Uso. We had Xavier Woods making his in-ring return, getting the victory over Ridge Holland. Well, it was kind of a little confusing because I'm not sure if it was the ring announcer, the broadcast team, creative. Somebody goofed up because at first it was announced Ricochet was going to face Umberto. Smackdown goes to a commercial. Then we see Ricochet actually going against Angel. Ricochet loses to Angel from a distraction from Umberto. Ricochet then challenges Umberto since it was kind of like an unfair fight in a way, I guess. So match number three, we see Angel get the victory over Ricochet, but then in match number four, we see Umberto get the win over Ricochet. I think what we're going to be looking at is maybe a triple threat match where Los Lotharios will take on Ricochet for the Intercontinental Championship. How that will work, who knows? Because you know that's going to be an every man for themselves. And in the main event, we saw pretty much Sasha Banks get the victory over Rhea Ripley, Zelina, Queen Zelina Vega, and Shayna Baszler, where Banks makes Zelina tap out to the bank statement. Going into the highlights for SmackDown, we see Brock Lesnar make himself comfortable in Roman Reigns' locker room and pretty much just kind of destroy things a little bit, mainly the table with both of his feet and kick him back. Going on into the first match with Shinsuke Nakamura getting the win over Jay 
oh, sorry, Jimmy Uso. Uh, pretty much a lot of distractions going on, but man, how about that Kinshasa he landed? Yeah, yeah typically what we see out of Shinsuke in the past is a more down-to-the-ground, closer-to-the-mat kick. And in this, I think it's an important uh, Kinshasa kick, as he did it much higher up, more accurate, and he did it after his comeback, after his injury. It's almost a statement of, hey, I'm still here, I'm still able. Yeah, and Jay, or not Jay, I don't know why I keep doing that. They're twins. Yeah, that's probably (laughs) it. That's probably it. But no, Jimmy Uso did a great job selling that high Kinshasa strike from Shinsuke. Absolutely. I've never, ever been disappointed in the Usos' performance whatsoever, their entire career. Yeah, whether they're a face or a heel, they definitely have the feel of the fans, whichever side they play. However, we we see with Shinsuke Nakamura getting the win, we continue to see Rick Boogs and Shinsuke Nakamura continue their momentum build for their SmackDown Tag Team Championship match against the Usos at WrestleMania. Moments after the match, it was announced that Shad Gaspard, who uh, lost his life a couple of years ago trying to save his son from a really strong current, is going to be the recipient of the 2022 Warrior uh, Warrior Award. Uh, congratulations for giving that award to Shad, which is, in my opinion, maybe just a little late, but nonetheless, he's receiving it, and for good reason. We have Drew McIntyre cutting his promo for his WrestleMania match with Happy Corbin. Wasn't exactly my favorite promo. There really wasn't a whole lot to it. We had Corbin shortly after in the backstage with Madcap Moss plugging his, quote, undefeated streak, quote, since being Happy Corbin. But then we have a moment where Corbin asked Madcap to tell another joke, which was another complete failure. Back-to-back weeks for Madcap Moss telling a bad joke. Well, in Happy Corbin's eyes, a bad joke. In match number two of the night, Xavier Woods making his in-ring return to defeat Ridge Holland before Xavier came out. There was a mistake by, by the ring announcer announcing that it was... Kofi Kingston being accompanied to the ring by Xavier Woods. I think that was yeah. pretty much a dead giveaway that wasn't going to be Kofi wrestling that match. Nonetheless, it's great to see Xavier come back from an injury that's plagued him for a little bit. At the same time, I I also appreciate the fact that they're not taking what happened with Big E and exploiting it to the extreme. Right, and that's definitely the best move. I mean, especially when, you know, accidents happen, you don't really want to prolong that type of a storyline because it can get really old and it can kind of turn fans real sour toward the whole situation. But I think deep down everybody knows Ridge didn't do that on purpose, and it's just one of those freak accidents that happen, you know. But nonetheless, it was a quick match. Xavier... Woods gets the win with a pretty much a schoolboy roll up one two three match is over. Who knows? Maybe at WrestleMania they'll have the new day of Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods facing Sheamus and Ridge Holland, or some combination with Butch. Who knows? We cut to a video promo of Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns being in a vehicle traveling around the Brooklyn area. Basically, just Roman Reigns warning Brock. He better not be in Roman Reigns' locker room when he gets to the arena. I was a little disappointed with this promo because Roman Reigns' promos before this were pretty much A-plus promos. They were 
heartfelt, deep down, had this really strong heel tone to them. This one just really seemed off. It, I think it was hard because it wasn't really live in front of the fans. And those type of promos don't really get a good strong reaction. But unfortunately, it is what it is. Not every single promo can be a stellar A-plus promo. Definitely, like I said, not his best one. And then kind of on top of bad promos, this one was definitely not one of Ronda Rousey's best promos. She always seems to start off very quiet and then realizes she needs to turn up the volume right about mid to late part of the segment. Charlotte Flair comes on and lets her know that, hey, you know, typical, hey, I'm not here, so you're wasting your time, and I'll see you at WrestleMania. We go backstage into Roman Reigns' locker room again with Kayla Braxton approaching Brock Lesnar for another interview. Asking Brock if he's really scared with Roman coming. And Brock says, nope, I'm just having fun. Just see the typical Brock reaction and tells Kayla once Roman gets here, send him my way. And I'm not going to go too much into detail into match number three and four where it was Ricochet versus Angel Garza. With match four, yeah, match number four followed with Ricochet versus Humberto. Both members of Los Lotharios getting the win in each of the match, I'm not sure what the move is because the first match was known as the champion's contender match. And I don't know if you'd think one match would be a championship contenders match. So would the others, which is why I said before, we're going to probably see this go more into triple threat where both members of Los Lotharios will face Ricochet for the Intercontinental Championship, whether it's at WrestleMania or later. Who knows? We see Sami Zayn yet cut another promo for his Anything Goes match with Johnny Knoxville coming up at WrestleMania 38 this weekend. Not really much to the promo other than, you know, Sammy's still trying to get the rub on Johnny Knoxville. Then we have Austin Theory come out to the broadcast booth and taunt slap Pat McAfee. And of course, Austin Theory runs and hides behind Mr. McMahon's office door. Pat McAfee comes back shortly after cooling off which we then go right into the main event which was a women's fatal four-way match between Sasha Banks getting the victory over Rhea Ripley, Queen Zelina, and Shayna Baszler. Real great match overall. I thought all four women gave it their all. Yeah in this match they really really they were on point and I didn't see any of them underperform and the result was exactly as I would have liked to see. It happened the way that I wanted to see it, you know, with Zelina tapping out. Maybe that's a little biased, but... Yeah, it just depends on who you're rooting for. Uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi have been making a great team. I ran a poll on Twitter earlier today and asking who what the thoughts were of who was going to come out ahead on the winning the Women's Tag Team Championship at WrestleMania 38. Last I checked, it was actually Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley, but with a strong second being Naomi and Sasha Banks, so who knows? There was no votes for Natalia and Shayna Baszler, though, which I was a little awestruck by that one. That's a little disheartening. <laughs> it is. It is, but in fairness, I don't think Shayna Baszler should be in tag matches. Neither Natalia. No. no, I agree with that because it's actually been kind of annoying for me that they've been focusing both those ladies, who are both great singles competitors, away from singles competition. 
Right, and when they had Shayna have that dominant NXT Women's Championship run in NXT. Right, and then... I, I'm just, I'm a little baffled. She comes off a very strong character in what was viewed as the more dominant brand for a couple of years, bring her to main roster, and I kind of felt like they shitted on her a little bit. They, uh, Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. They both did extremely well. They both spent time as women's tag team match or tag team champions. So why continue to push the tag team perspective on it? Yeah, I, I'm not understanding that one at all. But I, I really think maybe after WrestleMania, it's time to maybe focus getting Shayna back into the singles push. And for the last segment, we finished SmackDown with Roman Reigns coming to the ring with Paul Heyman. Nothing other than, you know, the whole acknowledge me segment and them saying, hey, we warned Brock that he better not be in my locker room by the time we got there. He asked Paul Heyman if he was back there. Paul Heyman said he didn't know whatsoever. And we cut the video of Roman's locker room looking like a complete mess, courtesy of Brock Lesnar. And you could see Roman Reigns really upset. Then transitioned to seeing Brock Lesnar was coming right to the ring. And he makes his way all the way down, jumps up on the announce table. They pretty much have a stare down with each other until Brock starts wiping out the entire security team. Gets in the ring, chases off the bloodline. Bloodline goes all the way to the back. Brock Lesnar still sees security guards moving around. So he goes, grabs another chair from under the ring and starts wiping out everybody that's moving again. Eventually chases off McAfee and Cole away from the broadcast table and still keeps wiping more security guards out, gets in the ring, starts doing his little celebration. Then we see Roman get on the Titan Tron saying, Brock, at WrestleMania 38, you will acknowledge me. Pretty much a good ending to the show. However, I, this definitely wasn't SmackDown's best, but it was definitely not their worst. I'd give it more of a thumbs in the middle. <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm with you on that one. It, it really was not their best, but it, it wasn't a flop. No, let's hope maybe next week with the go-home SmackDown, we'll see something definitely fire up for the WrestleMania card. getting into the AEW side of things Wednesday Night Dynamite match number one we had CM Punk getting the win over Dax Harwood Sting Darby Allen and the Hardy Boys getting the win over AFO's Private Party Butcher and the Blade in an eight-man tornado match we had Mox I'm sorry John Moxley and Brian Danielson getting the victory over the Varsity Blondes Adam Cole getting the win over Jay Lethal Layla Hirsch getting a cheap win over Red Velvet. And in the main event, we saw Jer- Chris Jericho and Daniel Garcia get the win over Dark Order's John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Uh, let's go ahead and start with the highlights for the m- evening. Felt with the CM Punk Dax Hardwood. Ah, Dax Harwood match. Cannot really talk today. I felt that match was very physical, very mat technical. 
pretty much no wasted motion in that entire match. You know, we had Cash Wheeler come back down to the ring eventually after trying to leave Dax Harwood solo. Tried to be a little bit of a distraction. We had some distraction from the gun club, or as Dan Housen has made them famous for being known as the Ass Boys. Uh, do you have anything to highlight with this one? Uh, the only thing I can say about this was it was really a great match. It was definitely down to technical terms, and both of them performed extremely well. Right, and you could see both men gave it their all. They were punk, you know, getting the victory with the old-school Anaconda device. He, it took him a couple attempts with that. We saw Dax Harwood apply the sharpshooter in the Bret Hart-style mode. Like I said, there was nothing but great match overall. It was pound for pound, no wasted motion. Yeah, the the only thing that worried me was the suplex over the rope. Yeah, that there's always that dangerous element that everybody, I think, kind of forgets about. But you it, can't, you can't though, because these these guys are going out there, these guys and these ladies, and they are performing outrageous acts, and the danger is very real. It is, it is. But luckily, no no one was hurt. Entertainment value was there all around. Just old school pro wrestling match, and that's what AEW is all about. Right. Uh, and after the match, you know, we saw punk per- signals for that title. Yeah. Punk signals for the title. <laughs> we see the Gun Club and FTR flapping their gums at each other. Just great overall entire segment between the match and post-match. Yes, sir. After the segment, we had a Jericho Appreciation backstage. Well, not interview, but promo. Pretty much just talking about the upcoming match with Johnny Hungy and Alex Reynolds. Then we go into the eight-man Texas. Ugh. Eight-man Texas Tornado match with Sting, Darby Allen, and the Hardy Boys getting the victory over AFO's Private Party, the Butcher, and the Blade. Overall, a very exciting match, although, like you mentioned in the last match, some dangerous elements. We see Jeff Hardy coming off the pretty much almost the top of a building going on right onto the Butcher and Blade on the merchandising tables. Uh, it, like I said, it was entertainment-wise, it was cool to see but something like that you want to be a little more careful with especially jeff hardy's age you don't really want to jeopardize younger talent either because they're going to be the workhorse for many years for your upcoming and uprising promotion what was also cool was right at the beginning of the match i know i'm kind of backtracking a little bit but at the beginning we see darby allen fly through the ropes taking down a couple of guys and then we see sting flying over the top of the rope taking down three guys very cool to watch Steen still do that at his age. And then right toward the end, we see a double segment with Steen hitting the Scorpion Deathlock on Isaiah Cassidy, Matt Hardy getting the twist of fate on Mark Quinn, getting the 1-2-3 victory. Uh, you got anything to add to that? Like you said, it was a super physical match. And one of the other points, you pretty much covered most of what I had to say, but there was a point where Butcher picked up Darby Allen and absolutely ragdolled him against, you know, the side rails, and then followed it up just tossing him down a flight of stairs. <laughs> yeah, like I said, entertainment value, pretty cool. <laughs> Sometimes you kind of wonder, man, these guys take it a little far, but this is what they live for, and they, they want to give the fans their value. And Darby Allen certainly doesn't shy away from going through some extreme physicals. No, and that's part of his, you know, his unique character. He's not afraid to do anything as long as he gets the win or 
make sure his opponents respect him after the match. That's what he's all about. After the match, we cut back to FTR talking to the gun club, letting them know, hey, you haven't earned our respect. You're nothing but spoiled brats because your dad got you in the business. And then they challenged the gun club, Austin and Colton, to a match next week on Dynamite, which should be hopefully a good match and maybe start helping elevate the gun club a little more. Match number three, the tag team of John Moxley and Brian Danielson being accompanied to the ring, well, kind of, by William Regal. Get the win over the Varsity Blondes, flying Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison with Julia Hart in their side i guess you can say all she really did was sit in the corner and moped mainly because you know this whole storyline with getting the mist to the eye not really sure what they're doing with the julia hart character kind of confused you'd think by now she would be working up to something but she just ever since the whole angle with malachi black who knows what's going to go on with her in the future nonetheless it was pretty brutal match i do feel the varsity blondes did get elevated a little bit in this match showing a little bit more improvement with their in-ring skills and their tag team chemistry however mox and danielson being the brutal characters they are real dominant get the submission win at the end and pretty much mox cuts his promo with thanking william regal for everything and that's all that mattered to him is what regal thought well we go to commercial break and coming back we got that maxwell jacob freeman mjf promo i'll tell you what a little asshole he is but he's one of my favorite little assholes absolutely in terms of all the hills we've seen over the years we see breaks in a lot of other hills that have done it in the past, but MJF, he is just on point with playing that character. He's just on top of it, and he keeps digging. Well, yeah, and you know, one of the things is, is, and you see it, the way he continues his character, if he can take that one step further with how low he can go, he does it, and he does it really well. Absolutely. In my opinion, the greatest current standing hill. Going into the promo, he's basically still letting Wardlow know, hey, you're under contract, you don't work for AEW, you work for me, and I'm going to make the rest of your life a living hell. And we see Wardlow come out trying to get through the security guard, but I think at some point we will finally see those two have a match, and who knows, maybe it will be up for Wardlow's contract, and we'll see Wardlow get the win, which will finally free him away from that little shithead. Right, this is one that I've been waiting to see for a while. If this match is played right, it's going to be epic. Yeah, for sure. Nothing would probably give the fans more enjoyment than watching MGF go through the powerbomb symphony, you know, (laughs) with fans chanting, one more time, one more time, and who knows, that may not get old all night long if that happens. Yep. We then have a backstage segment with Best Friends. And couldn't go more wrong than I think everybody was predicting. We all saw the conflict between Trent Beretta and Wheeler Yuta. Wheeler Yuta was asked a question and Trent just interrupts him right away. Basically letting Wheeler Yuta know he's never liked him. And was a little disappointed in him because Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor had trained him and had his back the whole time. Wheeler Yuta exchanges with Trent saying... You know, I don't never liked you much either, but I never focused on being a best friend. I focused on being the best wrestler. Adam Cole scores a victory over Jay Lethal. Of course, no other than the Adam Cole way. 
quick low blow, especially when the rest being distracted by Red Dragon. Gets the boom right in and one, two, three. Right. Regardless of the uh, low blow, the uh, match overall, I thought was extremely fluid. Yeah, classic Ring of Honor style match between the two. You know, they've had a rivalry forever. Don't think they really had anything with each other in New Japan, but yeah, Ring of Honor, they they had a lot of classic matches in that promotion. Shortly after the match, Adam Cole starts making a little promo about how he is more deserving of being the AEW world champion than Hangman Adam Page. Of course, that fires up Hangman Adam Page to come out to the ring takes off his belt and starts attacking Adam Cole and Red Dragon. Unfortunately, the numbers game got to hang Matt on a page. Adam Cole hits yet another damn low blow. Must be something with nut shots lately with this guy. Which then Matt managed to gather the troop and then they steal the AEW World Championship after Jungle Express tries to come down and make the save. Dynamite goes to commercial and comes back to commercial with Sammy Guevara and Tay Con- ah, Ty Conte being in the ring. Pretty much throwing down a challenge to Dan Lambert's cronies, challenging any two members who wants to come down. Ty Conte definitely wants to throw down with Paige Savant after last, or two weeks ago, I think it was, with the TNT Championship match. Or I should say post-TNT championship match with Paige attacking Ty and throwing her into the ring steps and brutalizing her. Eventually, hopefully we'll see a match between Scorpio Sky, Paige Savant against Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti. Definitely would love to see how brutal that can get. Especially how great Sammy's been looking lately. I was a little disappointed that his run was cut short. I'm not saying Scorpio Sky didn't earn that shot either. He's Definitely improved as a singles competitor, and I hope they turn him into one strong TNT champion. Match number five of the evening, we saw legit Layla Hirsch get the victory over Red Velvet. Before the bell could even start, we saw Layla attack Red Velvet on the apron, and they both pretty much battled it out outside the ring until finally Red Velvet rolled Layla into the ring. Ref finally starts the bell. Red Velvet... Got in a good little bit of momentum in there. Layla had her fair share. Unfortunately, got to a point where the ref got distracted with the first turnbuckle that Layla tried to implement. Took it away, but somehow Layla had another piece of turnbuckle in her trunks and clocked Red Velvet really good with it. Gets the cheap heel win. Post-match, Layla apparently still just needs to find a way to keep adding heat so she keeps attacking Red Velvet until Chris Statlander comes out for the save and outmaneuvers Layla Hirsch to back her away from Red Velvet. Tony Schiavone goes to try to interview Thunder Rosa and before anything could be asked we had Vicky Car- ah, Vicky Guerrero come out interrupt Thunder Rosa. A little bit of banter between the two until Nyla Rose comes out and attacks Thunder Rosa from behind. I think it's pretty easy to see the setup that Thunder Rosa will be defending her eight newly won AEW Women's Championship against Nyla Rose. And now on to the main event. We saw Chris Jericho and Daniel Garcia get the win over Dark Order's John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Pretty amazing match, especially seeing how well that John Silver, Alex Reynolds, manages to have great tag team chemistry. Not taking anything away from Chris Jericho or Daniel Garcia either. They both work well as a team as w- likewise. Ah, sorry, I'm really having problems with my words today, folks. 
overall, you know, this match definitely helped make Garcia look even better because for the longest time we just we see Garcia get booked in these good matches, but comes up short and doesn't really help build his momentum. But I think grouping him with Chris Jericho along with Jake Hager and 2.0 all together forming the Jericho Appreciation Society. Felt that was a great move. Daniel Garcia needed some kind of bump somewhere, and I think this is what's going to help get him over. Yeah, this was an excellent match in my opinion. I mean, like you said, the two members of the Dark Order, Silver and Alex, they just, they work so great together. And then Jericho, I've, I've pretty much seen him be able to adapt to any situation and be able to work with just about anybody there is out there. Uh, one of my highlights of the uh, match, though, was watching John Silver do his Hurricane Rana on Hager. Oh, yeah, especially for a short guy like that going up against a taller, taller guy. Yeah, that's not easy. No, I mean, it's like watching, you know, Queen Zelina from WWE go against Rhea Ripley, you know. I mean, it's quite the mismatch in size, but they find ways to make it work. And, you know, Jake Hager helped make John Silver look really good in that whole situation, too. Right, and I appreciated the classic Jericho move, the bat to the back. Yeah, Floyd. Yep. Good Lord, man. (laughs) Always got to have Floyd hanging around. But another highlight I would say was just that version of the Scorpion Deathlock from Daniel Garcia. I mean, that looked just painful as hell when he applied that to Alex Reynolds. But Alex Reynolds unfortunately taps out. Alex Reynolds, John Silver coming up just short, but good power shift for Jericho Appreciation Society, making a great main event match to wrap up Dynamite for the night. Overall, felt it was a great show. Well, let me take that back. I felt like it was a good show. There were still a couple of moments that weren't so great in there. I'm just a little worried because you're starting to see more and more promos come from AEW, where I'm more of the pro wrestling fan type, not really caring so much about lengthy promos. I'm more about the wrestling in-ring action. not going to say it took away from the entertainment value. I, It still was a good show overall. Thumbs up. Yeah, the only thing... I can say is, yeah, I I actually enjoyed this more than most of the AEW programming I watch. But like like you said, there were a couple of points that weren't that great. More of a distraction from the wrestling. And a few less Lobos could be nice. Yes, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Let's maybe not so focus on those nut shots so much, boys. Come on now. Let's play a little nice. Leave the little jewels alone. Mm Mm-hmm. Moving on to Rampage. In the first match, Dustin Rhodes gets the win over Lance Archer. The Red Dragon gets the win over Dark Orders 5 and number 10, Alan Angels. We had Nyla Rose squashing the crap out of Matty Renkowski. Yeah, that was a terrible match. And we had the FTW Championship where Ricky Starks retained against Swerve Strickland. Uh, just quick highlights. Uh it was weird because Jericho mentioned right about toward the maybe half past the halfway, maybe two thirds through the match that 
Lance Archer had one boot that was unlaced. Well, it was like that the entire time, right? As he came out with one of the Rhodes Academy students from the entrance. However, in the match, we also saw Lance Archer expose one of the turnbuckles, but Dustin uses that to his advantage, rams Archer's head right into it, and then gets a roll-up win right after. And of course, it wouldn't be the murder hawk if he didn't have some kind of aggression where he took out Rhodes and the other two students from the Rhodes Academy. Pretty, pretty brutal segment. Drew some blood on Dustin, of course. I think Dustin was always an easy bleeder anyway. Yep. I I liked it. it. I thought it was an entertaining match. This was a case of old Goliath meets new Goliath. Right. And this was also more like watching Dustin Rhodes in it back in his WCW days, just having a nice classic match, you know, very technical, no wasted motion, move for move. I liked, I loved when he hit the bulldog off the middle rope right onto Archer. I thought that was actually going to finish Archer, but it didn't. It was the only thing I didn't really care for is I think we've seen more roll-up wins this week from both promotions and i'm kind of more of the guy that likes to watch the finishing move take the opponent out unfortunately we don't see that a whole lot anymore it's more how many times you kick out of your opponent's finisher which it kind of defeats the purpose of calling it a finisher anymore i just think instead of calling them finishers they just need to call them signature moves mm. We go to the back with the Jay Lethal interview where he was a little flabbergasted. At, he, he thinks he should feel good about the two losses he had where the opponents basically had to cheat to win, but he does not feel good about it whatsoever. And he just needs to go back to the drawing board to figure out what to do. And that's pretty much all of the segment. Go to commercial break and coming back, we saw Fuego Del Sol in the ring cutting a promo how he felt alive and had even though it was very short-lived, had that very little bit of momentum going against the House of Black last week. Unfortunate for Fuego, though, House of Black made their appearance and brutalized him, knocking him all the way out of Coldville, I guess you can say. But then we see Dark Orders, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson. Can't remember the other two that came down. I apologize. Nonetheless, four members of Dark Order come down to the ring. They confront House of Black, Malachi Black, pretty much gets his guys to stand down and not do anything. Dark Order goes and checks on Fuego Del Sol afterwards. The next segment, we have Dan Lambert with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky basically telling everybody on the roster that TNT Championship will no longer be an open challenge weekly. Scorpio Sky cuts the promo telling everyone it's time to earn the op- the opportunity to challenge for the TNT Championship. The second match of the evening, we had Red Dragon of Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly defeating the Teak Dark Orders 5, and number 10, Alan V. Angels. Not really a whole lot to this match. It pretty was was a short match. I felt it could have gone a little longer, especially given all four competitors having good in-ring skills. Mm-hmm. Saw the finish with Chasing the Dragon from Red Dragon. And of course, to continue on from Dynamite's little post-match of Adam Cole and Jay Lethal, Red Dragon continues to attack Dark Order until Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and Christian all come down for the save which in turn was a distraction for Adam Cole to come steal the tag team belts like he did the AEW World Championship on Dynamite. Now Adam Cole and Red Dragon have stolen all three belts, which they are not the champions, folks. They just stole the belts from the current champions. In the women's match of the night, not going to really go into detail because it was a whole 
what, 50 seconds? Mm-hmm. Nyla Rose pretty much dominates Maddie Linkowski. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Maddie making her AEW Rampage debut. Squatch match, nothing much. Beast bomb from Nyla Rose onto Maddie, and that was it. One, two, three. Then we go into the Certificate of Appreciation from QT Marshall, who is accompanied in the ring by Aaron Solo. Calls out Hook for the whole segment. This was really just a typical Hook segment. They brought him out, tried to do a whole bunch of talking. Hook had nothing to say. Busts that certificate with somebody's head. Aaron Solo <laughs> runs Aaron Solo's head right through that certificate. Right, and then he makes his way up the ramp. And of course, <laughs> Dan Housen comes out. Dan Housen comes, puts the curse on him. <laughs> no reaction from Hook. Hook just walked by. Dan Housen was a little shocked. And absolute appreciation to Hook for just keeping the character. And the same thing for Dan Housen. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if that was Tony Khan's way of trying to get a Hook to break character, like much like they that Vince tried to do with Undertaker way back when. And it didn't work. Hook kept the kept focus. He walked back and kept his cool self all the way through. And in the main event for the night, it was the FTW Championship on the line. Ricky Starks retains against Swerve Strickland. Man, I'll tell you, that was a match. We saw Swerve pretty much have most of the momentum that match. Unfortunately, at the end, we saw Will Hobbs clobber the hell out of swerve and ricky starks just manages to take advantage and gets the pin on him right right and this really was a masterful match they did a good job ricky starks did wonderful swerve did great Uh, one of the highlights that i found about it was the amount of risk taking and skill that went with swerve's running shooting star press off of the apron that's highly dangerous move for both competitors very dangerous but they managed to land it well Everyone walks away fine. If anybody ever watched Swerve back in Impact, TNA, whatever you want to call it, you, you saw a lot of good matches out of him. This is going to be no different with AEW. Unfortunately, it, his time with WWE was short-lived with... Oh, what the hell were they called? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, it's going to bug me now. Anyways, everybody knows the group I was talking about. But yeah, it was a bummer to see that short-lived. He's in a good spot now with AEW. I hope they continue to showcase what... A great talent he is. Post-match, after, you know, Swerve losing to Ricky Starks, we saw Keith Lee come make his way down, get his revenge on Will Hobbs and Ricky Starks. Unfortunately, not enough TV time. We saw it cut short, but they just continued to brawl afterwards. I'm liking the heat going on between Keith Lee and Team Taz. I think him and Will Hobbs would have one hell of a good match being two big powerhouses. Maybe we'll see a tag team match eventually with Swerve and Keith Lee going against Hobbs and Starks. That would I think that would be an entertaining match. Oh yeah. It would definitely be. You've you've got athleticism on both sides and you got the power. Yes, for sure. Overall felt rampage was decent. Decent on the borderline good. My only frustration is not seeing the entrances. But I get it. They're only on a one hour time slot which Unfortunately, Tony didn't really have a whole lot of say. I'm sure TNT was more on the decision-making for that, so to say, which I get it. However, I'm hoping maybe one of these, maybe sometime down the road, we can see Rampage become a two-hour program. Absolutely. Or at least in a better time spot, maybe in a different day. It's really hard 
really to book a Friday programming, especially when you got SmackDown on Fox. That's just really hard to compete with, especially with the amount of viewership Fox gives around. And due to time shortage we had tonight, uh, we promised we were going to do a WrestleMania predictions, but we're just going to end up doing that on paper. Well, not really paper, but on the computer. We're going to do it on our webpage at www.thefansofprowrestling.com. I will eventually collect Will's match predictions. I will get mine written up. I will eventually get it posted on the site. Look for it under the weekly review. I will be heading to Las Vegas midweek next week, so the podcast might be a little delayed just to forewarn everybody. I do plan on covering both nights of WrestleMania. I might even do recording after each night's over. I just need to make sure I can coordinate a time to talk with will to see if we can get the recording done he's gonna eventually learn how to use skype so we can connect through the long distance ways with that being said thank you for tuning in you can always listen to our podcast on apple ios spotify most of any other major platform i know there's a couple we're not quite on we're hoping to get there at some point i want to give a shout out to lipson.com for hosting our podcast also would like to thank pixabay.com for allowing us to donate to and download music from Light Saturation for our intro for our in-between segment music. I'd like to thank Coma Media for the Sport Electro, which is our intro music, and G Vidin for Urban District, which we use as our exit music. Once again, you can donate to those authors at pixabay.com. Thank you for tuning in. Oh, you can also leave feedback to our interactive voicemail. It's area code 385-367-4772. You can also send me messages to my Twitter account at John T-F-O-P-W. And I believe I still have my email. Yes, I do. It's F-O-P-W-Feedback at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. That's going to wrap it up. Again, as Will said, thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week, and we will catch you later.